a message of hope and good news for you. The program today is part of a series of programs called Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. Today's talk is on the 70 weeks prophecy, part 2. Hello, my radio friends. It's great to be with you again. Last week, we were considering the prophecy from Daniel 9 about the coming Messiah and the time period left for the Jews to make good. This is a big subject and we only had time to cover the most important parts of it. Today, we'll look at the other parts and try to understand them. Here is the prophecy again. It is from Daniel 9, verses 20 to 27. Daniel writes, While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, an answer was given which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end for sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore, and understand, that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, unto Messiah the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, but in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people and the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be like a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Have you ever wondered how quickly our prayers rise to heaven, to the throne of God? 
And have you ever wondered how fast an angel, in this case the angel Gabriel, could travel? According to what Daniel said, it takes a mere instant for our prayers to reach heaven, and it took only a few moments for the angel Gabriel to reach Daniel with the answer from heaven. Don't ask me how that's possible, I don't know. It is one of the mysteries of God. Now, we'll consider some of the parts of the prophecy that were missed last week. We are told that there were 70 weeks, that's 490 years, determined or set for the Jewish nation as God's ambassadors on planet Earth. From then on, God would remove his protection and blessings from the nation. The final straw that broke the camel's back was the Jewish leadership murdering Jesus, the one who came to save them, and then they turned on his followers, the Christians. It became impossible for God to have the Jews as his special people anymore, as all what they did was in opposition to him. God knew it all in advance, what would happen, and the prophecy simply records it. After God's protection had been removed, as you probably know, the Roman army came in AD 70 and destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and destroyed most of the people. On one occasion, when Jesus walked the earth, the disciples were admiring the temple and called Jesus' attention to it. Jesus made this statement at that time, and it's recorded in Matthew 24 too. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. But some of those stones from which the temple walls were built weighed up to 50 tons or more. How's that possible to that all of them will be toppled over, you may wonder. Well, when the Roman army destroyed Jerusalem, they set it, including the temple, on fire. There was a lot of gold in the temple, lining the walls, and the fire was so intense, it melted the gold so that it ran down the walls to the foundations. In an effort to get the gold, the soldiers dismantled the walls to the very foundations. Not one stone was left upon another. Thus, what Jesus said was fulfilled to the letter. Daniel prophesied that there would be a reconciliation for iniquity. My question is, whose iniquity? Answer, everyone who has ever sinned and wants to be forgiven.
And how was that reconciliation made? It was through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 7 verses 25 and 27, it says this, Therefore he, that's Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always intercedes for them. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. The end of the 70-week prophecy in AD 34 marked another prophecy made by the prophet Jeremiah. It's recorded in Jeremiah 31 and also is quoted in Hebrews 8, verses 8 through to 13. It's called the New Covenant. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a covenant, a new covenant rather, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbour or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Some people think the new covenant means that God removed the Ten Commandments and replaced them with just one simple one, love one another. But that is a shallow and misleading idea. God actually says, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. He does not say, I will remove my laws. No, the new covenant refers to the fact that God made the first covenant with the nation of Israel. But after the Israelites bitterly disappointed him, he makes his covenant with individuals who obey him. You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. We are talking about 70 weeks prophecy part 2. We are going to take a short break and we are going to listen to a very nice song What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Stay with us and we'll be back soon.
Some people have wondered if any Jews can be saved these days. The answer is emphatically yes. But it refers to individuals and not to the Jews as a nation. I am aware of the fact that there are quite a few Christians who send money to Israel to support the Jews there. But in light of what we understand about the new covenant, there is no possibility that the nation of Israel will ever again be God's special people. They have blown their chances, and God is getting his message across through genuine, devoted Christians. Just before his crucifixion, Jesus pronounced a curse on the Jewish nation. We find this in several places. Matthew 21:43. Jesus is speaking to the Jews. He says, Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. And then on another occasion, Jesus was lamenting how the Jews were so hard-hearted and unresponsive to the good news of the gospel. In Matthew twenty-three thirteen, he says, Look, your house is left to you desolate. The prophecy of Daniel 9 and what Jesus said are double evidence that the Jewish nation was no longer God's people after 34 AD. It was all down to individuals who accepted Jesus' sacrifice to atone for their sins. These people would live a righteous life and serve God no matter what. You may remember what happened when Jesus died on the cross. The story is told in the Gospels. We'll read from Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 to 51. It says, From the sixth hour, which is midday, to the ninth hour, which is three o'clock in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, oh, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest of the people said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And then, and sorry, and when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit, which means he died. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So, what was the significance of the curtain splitting or being torn in two? If you heard the program about the tabernacle, 
you would have heard that the innermost part of the tabernacle or temple consisted of two rooms, the holy place and the most holy place. Only once a year was the high priest allowed to go into the most holy place. This occasion was known as the cleansing of the sanctuary or the Day of Atonement, where the sins of the people were finally dealt with. Between the two rooms was a very thick, long and heavy curtain. At Jesus' death, that curtain was supernaturally torn down the middle because there was now no longer any need for the temple services. Jesus was the consummation, the reality of how sins were forgiven. No one needed to sacrifice animals in order to have their sins forgiven. The temple services were superseded, outdated, and so became redundant. Jesus himself was the real and ultimate sacrifice for sins. The prophecy also says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. That's simply saying that the whole sacrificial and temple services were no longer needed. They were wiped out. Jesus was the consummation. I mentioned um, before in last week's program about the gap theory. Those who accept the gap theory believe that at some time in the future the temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem. My question to these people would be, what would be the purpose of setting up a temple again? The sacrificial system became redundant. Jesus became our sacrifice. It would be silly and meaningless to revert to the old system of sacrificing animals for sins. One other point from this prophecy. It mentions about anointing of the Most Holy, referring to Jesus. In the beginning of each of the Gospels, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, is a record of Jesus' baptism. In Matthew 3, from verse 13, we read, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? We need to note this here. Jesus was sinless and needed no baptism of repentance. Jesus replied to John, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. 
Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. A voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The book of Luke said Jesus was about 30 years old at this time when he began his ministry. The book of John adds this, Then John gave his testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. The Messiah was anointed at the time of his baptism by none other than the Holy Spirit. The practice of anointing was similar to modern-day commissioning. The anointed person was given a task to do, given approval by the authority or authorities, and given the means to carry out his duties. Well, unfortunately, again, that's about it for today. As you have seen, the Bible can be trusted because God is its author and he knows the end from the beginning. You can't fool God. The main problem is that people who often take a passage of scripture from the Bible apply some interpretation to and teach it as truth when it doesn't stand up to further scrutiny. There is another prophecy with the same starting date as the 490-year prophecy, but this one is for a much longer period of time. It's the 2300-year prophecy. We'll deal with that sometime in the future. So then, my friends... Until next time, this is Len wishing you blessings, peace and confidence in the Word of God.